Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I am professional wrestler Chris Rex, and if you're hearing my voice, that means you're listening to the Bear of Texas podcast. What is going on, beauties? This is Into the Net FC. This is the Bear of Texas reporting live from an undisclosed location deep in the heart of Texas. Let's not waste any more time. Let me bring in my good friend and my mentor in beautiful and sunny Southern California, Steve Adams. What's going on, Steve? And it was a very warm day here in L.A. today, although amazingly it's been much, much hotter up in the Pacific Northwest the last couple of days. Portland and Seattle and Vancouver have all just baked. But, um, but boy, some very, very compelling stories out of these round of 16 games that were that just finished off today. So where would you like to begin? Well, let's go and start off with, uh, with Wales and Denmark. I mean, well, that's that's a prediction that we both kind of made. We, we, you picked Wales while I picked Denmark, so we'll go ahead and start with that. Denmark really had the style points in this one. Denmark, um, I mean, you know, for, for obvious reasons, their opening loss to, to Finland, you know, after the whole uh, fiasco with Christian Eriksen's health, well, Denmark has gotten healthy in a big way. I mean, first you know, knocking four goals past the Russians, and then they knocked four goals past the Welsh and uh, played a really good game. Dolberg with a couple of goals, Molly with a goal, Brathwaite with a injury time goal to make it uh, four zip. But uh, the the Danes just looked really, really good. You know, there was nothing that was really uh, an upset on this. Um Wales just really didn't have a whole lot on the day. Uh, Bale and Ramsey really were not able to, to produce the goods in this match. I mean, Gareth Bale, I, I saw that game. He was, you know, continually getting frustrated. And after the post-game conference, I mean, he he, he left out. I, I heard there was a story that he, like, he stormed out during the conference. He couldn't take it. Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, you know, He's he's won a great deal. I mean, he's won a couple Champions League titles with Real Madrid, uh, and of course, you know, back in 2016 at Euro uh, 2016 in France, he had such a good tournament and leading Wales to the semifinals. So you know, it's understandable that uh, a competitor like Bale would be really really upset. But uh, the Danes into the quarterfinals with style points, no less. No style, uh, style points, no less, absolutely. And they go on, and they're playing the Czech Republic. But we'll get into the predictions uh, later. But now we got to get into Italy and Austria. And I, I can't help but just praise the hell out of Austria for literally challenging Italy. Because everybody's talked about the Italy's previous unbeaten streak. And, and I did a, a short episode. I said, look, while the streak is amazing, I mean... Let's look at it. Have they played anybody yet? That's really worth you know. That's really worth anything. But but they and, and they know Austria. They probably came in thinking it was going to be an easy win. But Austria begged to differ. They played a hell of a game. 
they actually had a goal disallowed on offside during regulation time, and if that goal had stood, uh, the Austrians would have pulled off a real stunner. I frankly thought that this was going to be a blowout in favor of the Italians. Mancini's men looked so good in preliminary round play, and you know the Austrians looked okay. You know, not you know anything to truly write home about, but. Um, Got it. Got the game to extra time. Uh, Chiesa and Pessina with goals for Italy, and then um, Kaldrasek with a goal in the 114th minute for the Austrians to give them a little glimmer of hope towards the end. But uh, Mancini's men were able to, to close it out. So uh, the Italians uh, they get a date with the Belgians in the quarterfinals. They do. I mean, there's one thing for Italy that did break. I mean, they finally they finally conceded a goal. I believe that that snaps the 11 game uh, goalless uh, streak. Yeah, you know, just goes to show that you know they were human. I mean, little small asterisks with it. I mean, the goal they gave up was in the 114th minute, but um, but mission accomplished, and uh, the Italians the Italian Renaissance continues under Roberto Mancini. It does, and you know. Now I would say, I mean, Italy could actually make the final, but I'll have to wait and see. But now we get to the Czech Republic and the Netherlands. Well, another, wasn't a good day for the Netherlands. I mean, I saw this game, and, you know, the Czech Republic clearly had their had their number. The Czechs played great. I mean, uh, the Netherlands, for all of their fireworks that they showed and scoring goals in the, the first three games... It just vanished. Uh, attacking flair, communication. Um, I mean, they weren't really even getting shots on goal. Uh, the Dutch just had a really, really rough day at the office. Uh, not a great first half. And uh, then when uh, Delight got the red card in the 52nd minute off of a, you know, he basically cynically used his hand to bat the ball away when he was about to get beat, um, you know, in a goal, in a clear goal scoring area where he was the last defender with, uh, delight out of the game. Uh, all of a sudden the checks kicked it up a notch and goals from Holish and Sheik, um, two zip win for the checks. The Czechs now find themselves in a spot where they have a very decent chance of making it to the semifinals. Uh, you know, they can replicate their run they had in 96 when they made it to the final where they lost to the Germans in the final. But, uh, you know, but this Czech team, you know, it wasn't a case of a team that was stoutly defending and then uh, – getting an odd goal and then hunkering down. I mean, the Czechs really brought the game to the Dutch and frankly, were the better team on the day, even before, even before the red card, uh, they were out playing the Dutch. Uh, De Boer stepped down. Um, I found out today. So uh, the Dutch are going to be looking for a new coach, but, uh, but after that debacle, by the Dutch in the round of 16, uh, it's it's no real surprise that the Boer fell on a sword and uh, decided to call it a day. I mean, it's a shame too because much like France, much like France, uh, the Netherlands came to this game you know, to this tournament as a very loaded team. I mean, there's 
Matias Delight, you know, Jorginho, who's now with, who just recently signed with Paris Saint-Germain, you know, and, you know, but of course, and unfortunately for them, you know, Virgil van Dijk was unable to participate because he's still recovering from the torn ACL, but, but I really felt like, look, Virgil van Dijk or not, I really felt that the Dutch team would be okay. I mean, they wouldn't be as balanced because the defense wouldn't be too strong, but I felt like if the attack of the midfield is strong enough, they could, they might actually be able to muddle through, but unfortunately, it it had to come down to it. I mean, at the end of the day, like like you explained, it, it's what started out as a bad day at the office really turned out to be a horrible day in the office. Yeah, very, very, very disappointing. Um, the Dutch, when they're on, they they can be such a delight to watch, and then you know when they're down, um, and they commit you know cynical or or dirty fouls and things like that. Um, in key situations, but you have to give the Czechs a lot of credit. Um, they're into the quarterfinals, and I think, you know, as much as a lot of people are going to be rooting for the Danes, you know, are, is this indeed a team of destiny? Um, but I think that the the Czechs feel like this game against Denmark is a game that they can win. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I will be looking forward to that game, but now we get to Belgium and Portugal. Well, a game I did the way it finished. I didn't expect it to go that way, but man, I mean, Portugal clearly the better team, being just so dominant on the pitch. But they just could not finish. They could not put the ball into the back of the net. Yeah, they just um, they created tons and tons of chances, and um, you know Bruno Fernandes he was missing in action once again. Uh, he came in as a substitute, was not much of a help. Jota, uh, he did not have a very good tournament. Uh, he had some good chances that he couldn't even find the target on it. Um, you just you just don't even know know what to say. But uh, they had so many shots on goal, and I mean they had twenty four shots, five of which were on goal. Belgium had six shots, one on goal, and the one that was on goal. Uh, ended up being the game winner. It was a very beautiful goal. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Thorgan Hazard uh, just absolutely put a phenomenal bend on that ball to to get it into the net and, uh, you know, got it past Rui Patricio, the, the Portuguese goaltender. Um, I think some of the commentary that Patricio should have had that, I think that was a little bit harsh. I think at a certain level you got to give credit to the shooter. I, I think it was a hell of a shot more than it was a goalkeeper error. Uh, Courtois came up big, had a little bit of help from the goalpost. Um, but uh, the Belgians survived the Portuguese onslaught in Seville, but it's not looking terribly good for the Belgians as far as uh, De Bruyne and Aiden Hazard, you know, there's a tremendous amount of doubt if either of those two are going to be fit to play in that uh, quarterfinal against Italy this weekend. I mean, it would have been a tough call, even with those two healthy in the lineup. I think Belgium would have really had their work cut out for them against the Italians. But uh, but if those two aren't in, you know, I... I would be really, really shocked if Roberto Martinez's guys can um, can beat the Italians without those two, especially De Bruyne, who's been having a really good tournament. Well, it's un- it's unfortunate. Uh, it's been confirmed that apparently 
Kevin De Bruyne and Eden Hazard are bo- have both been officially ruled out. So, so there's that. But you know, I still feel Belgium could still somehow. And it's gonna be tough. But you know, I I would I like to think of it like this: if Eden Hazard is out, then Torgan Hazard has the chance, you know, to step up and you know, you know, and 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 do do for his country like his older brother has. So, but. The the fact the problem is you know Belgium's defense is it's certainly uh, very balanced it's iron rock solid and not like Italy of course but but I really feel like Belgium it, with their mentality I mean they're probably they're really gonna give the Asuri a run for their money I can guarantee you that well he's gonna have he being uh, Romelu Lukaku somebody's gonna have to provide him with some service you know is it gonna be Tielemans is he gonna get service from Mounier? Uh, not sure, but you know, certainly if somebody can get the ball into Lukaku, this is a guy who can score. He's been on great form, you know, in the past year with uh, with both Inter Milan and uh, with the Belgians. But um, but boy, that's just a really cruel blow for the Belgians to not have the Bruyne for for the quarters against the Italians. Before we move on, you know, uh, there was actually a comment. Uh, Roy Keane apparently had some harsh words for uh, Diogo, uh, actually for uh, Jao Felice, uh, calling him an imposter. And and to be honest, I'm pretty freaking curious to to know if uh, if Diego Simeone has anything to say about that. Well, you know, I consider the source. Um... Roy Keane, as as good of a player as he was, as a great player he was, and he was a leader with Manchester United, but Roy Keane to me just seems like a really bitter ex-player who's been a failure as a coach. And, you know, he has nothing better to do than lob hand grenades at other people and other players. So, uh, you know, consider the source as far as, as, far as Roy Keane's concerned. You know, then... Could Felix have done better as far as on the chances that were presented to him against the Belgians? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the Atletico Madrid guy, you know, did not have uh, a particularly great tournament for the Portuguese. But, um, but yeah, Roy, Roy Keane, consider the source and move on. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm sure Felix is going to be okay, so... Now we got to get to, uh, we'll say France and Switzerland for last, but now we'll, we'll, let's go and get to Croatia versus Spain. Well, well, there's a game that really uh, was entertaining. Both of those Monday games were just amazing. Um, if you were going to try to introduce somebody to watching soccer, uh, the Croatia-Spain match and the France-Switzerland game, I mean, both games really had it all. Um uh, Croatia, uh, they come up uh, early. They get the early goal on just the incredible cock-up by Unai Simon, uh, the goaltender for uh, for Spain. I mean, simple back pass, and he just whiffs on the ball when he's trying to control it. I mean, just, you know, it's, it's like the type of thing you would see in an under-six kids match with, uh, with what that, but then... After that cock-up by Simone, then for the rest of the game, he was big. And, um, you know, Spain, they go up 3-1, to one, and then the Croatians do just an epic comeback 
They get two goals in seven minutes' time. They they get a goal from Orsic, and then they get a goal from Pasalic to make it 3-3, put the game into extra time. Uh, the Spaniards had gone ahead on goals by uh, Sarabia and Espelicueta uh, and uh, Torres to make it uh, 3-1. Croatians come back, tie it, um, go to overtime, and then uh, Morata and... Ozarbal, they come up with the goods for the Spaniards. But a lot of attacking play. There were some great saves uh, by both goaltenders, high drama. Uh, I mean, it really, had, it really had it all. It was just a, a really, really entertaining game. I mean, it, it was. And I, I told myself, you know, because the winner w- would have played France or, or, or Switzerland, and, and assuming that had France had won, I felt like, you know what, I'd rather have Croatia rather than Spain because France does not have a good track record against the Spaniards, but but it really doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> well, Spain is, you know, Spain has definitely got their mojo back. I mean, this is two games in a row where they've scored five goals, and uh, they could have had probably a few more against the Croatians, uh Livakovic made some really, really nice stops against the Spaniards, too, to try to keep his side in that game. But uh, but what a phenomenal game this was. I mean, this one was really a joy to watch. Absolutely. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about, uh, like I said, we'll, we'll keep the France and Swiss game for last. Let's talk about England and Germany. Well, I, I totally got this prediction wrong because I, I, thought, I thought Germany was going to pull it off. I actually thought Germany would win, too, because uh, when it comes time for tournament play, uh, the Germans just always seem to have England's number. Uh, This is the first time since the World Cup final in uh, England in 1966 when England won its only World Cup, and they beat the Germans back then when it was West Germany in extra time. 55 years is the last time that England has beaten Germany in a tournament format type of game, in a knockout type of match. And they were able to do it without penalties. Um, I think the English midfield, for the most part, uh, did a really good job against the Germans. Uh, I think when um, Gareth Southgate made the decision uh, to bring Jack Grealish on uh, in place of Saka, uh, he really gave England an extra, you know, hop in their step. Uh, he played a huge role in uh, the, the second goal, uh, in particular by Harry Kane. But uh, but I think uh, Shaw, Rice, Phillips, Tripper, they did really really good work in the midfield against the Germans, who also had their chances to score too. I mean, they had uh, they had a really good. Um, golden opportunity off a Raheem Sterling turnover um, that Tomas Mueller put maybe about a foot wide of a, of a wide open goal. So uh, it's really rather incredible that he missed that chance. He, if he scores that goal, and this was like around the 80th minute, um, all of a sudden it's one to one. And, you know, you have to wonder with the English, if it starts playing a little bit of mind games with them, uh, Werner did not have a particularly good game for the Germans uh, against England. But, um, you know, England, another clean sheet. 
they have yet to give up a goal yet in this uh, Euro tournament. So, you know, you got to give some credit. Uh, Pickford made a couple of nice stops against the, the Germans, but Stones, Maguire, Walker, very solid on defense for Gareth Southgate. And again, um, I, I have to think for their quarterfinal against um, the Ukrainians, I have to think that, you know, maybe you should consider starting Jack Grealish because I think when Grealish has been on for England, uh, the Aston Villa guy really, he brings something extra to that attack. He's an extremely creative player. He makes everybody else around him a lot better. Absolutely. I mean, Gareth Southgate's really got to take that into consideration. I mean, at this point, what's, what is what is there to think about? You know, Grealish makes a difference, and he's been doing that. If you put him in, I mean, there's nothing to think about. Let the guy play the whole game. I'd like to see it. I'd like to see some more Jordan Henderson too. He came on as a as a sub uh, for Declan Rice, but um, I'd kind of like to see the, the Liverpool captain. I'd I'd like to see him out there a little bit more. But um, but England are through. They got that eight hundred pound German gorilla off their back after their performance today, and. True, the quarterfinal against the Ukrainians, that will be played in Rome, neutral venue. But if England can get past the Ukrainians, and I think they should, then now the semifinals for this tournament will be at Wembley. The semifinals and the final will be at Wembley. And uh, they're promising the gates will be open. It'll be a full crowd. Um, so... Or, or like at least 60,000, I think, they'll allow in Wembley. So um, if England can do that, if they can make it through, you know, a little bit of home field advantage, you know, it might help. It might. And, you know, as far as wanting to see a player get more playing time, I really want to see Marcus Rashford, you know, get some more playing time. Yeah, and... Um, you know, Mason Mount, he hasn't gotten a ton of playing time in this tournament. Uh, I know on the boards a lot of people are wondering, you know, what's it going to take for Southgate to put uh, Jaden Sancho out on the pitch? But, um, you know, he's certainly a guy with some attacking flair, and he's also got some pace as well. So um, we'll, just have to, we'll just have to see. But um, mission accomplished, and then... Um, the other interesting thing of note out of that group of death that everybody talked about, and, and not without some reason, Portugal, France, Germany, round of 16, they're all out. They're gone. All the, all the, big, all the big monsters from the group of death, they're all gone. It's like, Who would have imagined? Yeah, it's like Maximilian Brito said, the group of death did its job. Yeah, I mean, you do have to wonder, you know, at a certain point, was the uh, the play physically and mentally where was everybody just so overtaxed that they had nothing left in the tank for their round of sixteen games? It's hard to say, but um, I mean, not for France. I mean, France. I mean, like we'll get to that game, but for France, I mean, I'll explain it a bit. But no, France can't say that they were gassed, but but. In a, you know, you mentioned how, but mentioned Sancho. And speaking of Sancho, I think Manchester United just secured uh, the signing for him. That's what I heard too. So um, he'll be a welcome addition at Old Trafford. 
Ukraine, Ukraine versus Sweden. Uh, two teams with powder blue and gold in their flags. Um, this one was kind of a pick 'em game going in. Um, the Ukrainians got out to an early lead. Uh, Zinchenko got the benefit of a deflection off a Swedish defender to put the Ukrainians up one zip. And then Forsberg says, well, you know what, I could do that. He hits a bullet that takes the deflection off a Ukrainian defender, makes it 1-1. Um, Forsberg hits the pose not once but twice in the second half. Uh, Sweden probably looked a little bit more dangerous in the second half, but the Ukrainians certainly had their opportunities as well. But then in overtime, turning point in this game was Danielson's red card. And um, you could just see Sweden pretty much stopped attacking from that point, and it was looking almost like uh, both teams were going to be happy going to penalties, and then Andre Dobik had other thoughts of that. Scores in one minute into injury time to give the Ukrainians a unexpected berth in the quarterfinals. You know, certainly, I I would be hard pressed to imagine anybody who was going to pick the Ukrainians to make the the quarters in this tournament. I mean, I certainly didn't. And speaking of Danielson's red card, uh. Do you believe do you believe the red card was really necessary? I mean, it's really yeah, it's for, a, for me. It's hard to tell, but but it was, I yeah. I thought I thought it was I thought it was a pretty nasty challenge myself. I mean, I think he was. I think he the, the thing of it is, I think he was truly going for the ball after looking at it more than a couple times on replay. He's clearly going for the ball, misses the ball, and then. You know the contact he makes with the, the Ukrainian. I mean, it's it's pretty ugly. I mean, I don't. He ended up having to to leave the game too, so I don't know if he ended up with a busted tibia on the deal or not, or if X-rays were negative and he'll be able to play against England. But um, you know, I, it, it was a tough call. And when, but the referee when he gave it the the look at under the tent for after the VAR review. The referee took one look, and I don't even think he took more than 10 seconds of looking at it in the booth before he came back and produced the red card. I mean, like, because that's why I feel like it, it could have gone either way because, you know, for me, like, before I, I officially, if I were to tweet about this, I, I have to take a look. I, I got to see it from the numerous angles. Like, I really got to get to the bottom of, of it. And, and you're right, he did, he did go for the ball. It's just unfortunate by missing the ball and, you know, it, it, unfortunately like that, it, it, the way it went, it shouldn't have happened, but it happened. It was a nasty challenge, but I don't think Danielson wanted to hurt the guy. I, I guess it was just something that, you know, obviously it was it was improv- improvised. You know, you're in that part of the game, like, you know, you want to win, like you're trying to keep the game under your control. So, I mean, but yeah, seeing see that injury, the way that leg, you know, moved after he got hit, like that was nasty. Yeah, it was it was pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that if that Ukrainian player is out for the tournament now. But now, the most painful part for me personally, my national team literally choking against Switzerland. I mean, I'm sorry, but it, they choked. That's all I'm gonna. That's all I can say. They choked. Well, I mean, at a certain point, you gotta give mad props to the Swiss. I mean, the Swiss were up early. I mean, they, uh, Stefanovic 
uh, Saporovic, excuse me, with the early goal on a beautifully crossed ball that he heads in um, to put the Swiss up. And then um, second half, Benzema gets two goals. Uh, one of them is just an absolute beauty. Um, in the post-mortem of this tournament for the French, you can't lay any blame at the feet of Karim Benzema. He had a fantastic tournament. He was, by far and away, France's top goal scorer of this tournament. He scored a brace, and then when Paul Pogba in the 75th minute hits just an absolute rocket with incredible swerve in English on it in the most perfect spot of the upper right corner of the Swiss goal, you think that after Pogba's Golasso, 15 minutes left in the game, you think that uh, France has it in the bag. And um, then the Swiss make a monumental comeback. Sefrovic gets his second goal in the 81st minute. And then in the 90th minute, uh, Gafronovic gets the tying goal for the Swiss to put it in the uh, overtime. But um, just high drama. Um, you know, you have to say, too, that, you know, Granit Xhaka, who was a midfielder for Switzerland, I mean, man of the match performance. His work rate was just uh, nothing short of amazing. I'm not going to deny it. Switzerland was, was, in fact, the better team, but at the end of the day, the blame lies on, you know, I mean, Deschamps has to, has to take part of the blame. I mean, I didn't like the formation. I did not like that he started Clément Langlais. A lot of things just were not right, but, you know, some might argue because when he took out Benzema and, and Griezmann that it made a difference. I'm like, well, it, it could have, but, you know, he went to a penalty shootout. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, Benzema arguably was the team's best player, and I, and I think from this point on, dude, I think he's going to be at the World Cup next year, and I, I think he, he could be a huge part of that. I mean, Benzema does not look like he's showing he's showing any signs of slowing down. I mean, he's in the prime of his career right now, and and I still think he's got many. He's still got some good years left, but I mean, it's just sad how it, how it had to end that way. I mean, Pogba literally the way how he coughed up the ball that that allowed Switzerland to equalize like that. I mean, it, it was just so tough. But I mean, the tough part is is how Mbappe. You know how ironic it is that Mbappe misses the decisive penalty, and and for him, it's just really been. It's, it's, it just hasn't been a good tournament, but but part of me well, said, part of me says, well, you know, there was that thing with him and Giroud about a rift before the tournament started. Did you hear about that? Yeah, I had heard about that. Um, you know, I also think too, at a certain point, you also have to, you know, is it so much Mbappe missing the kick as the Swiss goalie? Also, I think he may he chose right. He made a great stop. I mean, he got it with his trailing left hand to, to knock the ball away. It wasn't a perfectly struck penalty by any stretch of the imagination, but the ball was struck with some pace. And, uh, you know, Jan Sommer makes a great stop on it. So now, of course, after this and the postmortem, you know, everybody's kind of piling on Mbappe's like, oh, is he really worth all this money? And it's like, you know, one moment like this, does not really define a player. I mean, a lot of really, really good players have missed penalties in key spots at, like, say, World Cups. I saw Platini miss a PK 
for France against Brazil in the 86 World Cup, but a game that France ended up winning in overtime. Um, 94 World Cup final, you know, Roberto Baggio, phenomenal player for Italy, one of the best players in the entire tournament, was a huge reason why Italy got to the final in 94. You know, he skies his uh, his PK. Uh, Franco Baresi, fantastic player also for the Italians. He missed his penalty in that game, too, against Brazil. So uh, I think people are being a little harsh on Mbappe. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, I think for France, there were some good things in this tournament. I think Griezmann had a really, really fantastic work rate. Pogba had a really good tournament. Um, more than a few people have said, well, why is Paul Pogba playing so well for France when he has such a hard time producing that type of form with any regular basis with Manchester United? Well, the easy answer is is that with Man U, he doesn't have uh, N'Golo Conte sitting next to him. But Conte, truth be told, I don't think N'Golo Conte had a particularly good Euro tournament for the French. He wasn't uh, he wasn't the vacuum cleaner that you saw in Russia back in 2018, and certainly not the vacuum cleaner that you saw uh, for Chelsea playing Champions League ball. It's really tough. I mean, as far as Mbappe goes, you know, I mean, the just like him when he lost the Champions League final, I mean, like I said, everybody, all these people on social media just go on an absolute racial, hateful rhetoric run, and it's absolutely sickening. You know, look, Mbappe, unfortunately, did not have the best tournament. He, he missed his penalty, but guess what? It's all part of the learning process for him. I mean, he's 22 years old. He's not even in his prime yet. You have to go through these tough times to actually make it to the top. I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo's missed penalties, too. I mean, so has sure. Lionel Messi. I mean, I'm sure Pele has missed some, too. And, of course, Henri, Henri had some bad games. But, I mean, I mean, I can't tell you all the, all the disgusting things, things I've seen. I mean, you know, and, and I have absolutely no doubt Mbappe, he is going to bounce back. I can guarantee you. I, I really believe Mbappe is going to help France win the world title again. Whether it's next year in Qatar, whether it's in 2026 in the in North America, I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that Mbappe. We haven't seen anything from him yet. He's still young, and you know his his upside is is so tremendous. I mean, as a Liverpool fan, I keep hoping that these rumors will come true that he'll be coming to Anfield uh, to ply his trade. Um, you know. If, the, if that's able to come to pass, to have that transfer go for him to come to Liverpool from PSG, I, I for one, would certainly be happy to see him in a, in a, in a Liverpool jersey. But um, I would, too, believe it or not. But fantastic game, though. I mean, both of these games, you know, France, Switzerland, Spain, Croatia, I mean, this is when the game can be just so incredible, and these games had everything, you know, as far as brilliant play, uh, lots of shots on goal, lots of offense. And, um, you know, I mean, France had 26 shots on goal against the Swiss. Eight of them on target. Switzerland had 13 shots, five on goal. So, I mean, it's not as if the heavily underdog Swiss were parking the bus. You know, and particularly in the second half, I mean, Switzerland took the game. To France, I mean, Switzerland played like they had absolutely nothing to lose, and even when they were down three to one, 
Um, I mean, they, they just came at France in waves, and, you know, the, they were able to tie the game. So at a certain point, you have to tip your hat and say, you know, well done. Uh, first time Switzerland has ever beat France in a knockout-type tournament. And uh, for, for Swiss soccer, I mean, it's a, it's a really, really big deal. And now for their troubles, Switzerland gets a date with Spain in the quarterfinals. And they and they deserve it. But before we move on, there's actually a couple of things. Number one, we got to talk about Titi Deschamps' uh, future. Uh, do you believe that if, if that it would be better for him to stay or for him to actually to be, to resign as the manager? I don't see any reason for Deschamps to step down. I mean, I don't. But you know what? What, what concerns me is that if it's a, if the players are starting to feel like they can't trust him, if there's a rift going on, I mean, especially because of the formation he used. I mean, that's really what worries me. But I, I don't I don't see it happening. I mean, I'm, I'm sure things will be okay. I mean, Fr- France is arguably coming in as as the the, ne- the next World Cup as a favorite, but you know it's gonna be it's gonna be 20 years after that disastrous uh, title defense. So they've got they've got talent. They've got so much freaking talent in in France, and um, you know it, it is true though that even. In the preliminary round, I mean, France clearly was not, aside from Benzema and maybe to a lesser degree, you know, Griezmann and Pogba, uh, most everybody else on France was really not clicking on all gears. And, um, you know, I think you have to take a, a good look at the, the defense. I mean, the defense didn't exactly play, you know, fantastic ball. Uh, I mean, yeah, they got a clean sheet against Germany. Um, for good parts of the game against Portugal, France was outplayed. Uh, the Hungarians gave the Fran- gave the French absolute everything they could handle in a one-one draw. But I, I, I would not put this as a debacle at the level of, let's say, the two thousand two World Cup or the two thousand ten World Cup with. Uh, you know, really, really talented French squads that just absolutely, utterly flamed out. So, um, I, th- I think the, I think the French Football Federation, I think, will will give Deschamps the keys to the car. You know, at least to to get to Qatar next year. So, I don't, I really don't think he should step down at this point. I'm not seeing that. Yeah, I mean, I don't expect him to, but if he does. The president of, of the French Football Federation, I think he knows exactly who needs to take over. If, so if Deschamps decides to leave, you got to bring in the French god himself. Zinedine Zidane. It would be a match made in heaven, wouldn't it? Uh, you know, I... I, for one, would be really, really intrigued with that possibility, especially now that Zizou has a little bit of time on his hands. Um... You know, Zidane knows, you know, more than a few of these players, you know, from coaching in Spain, you know, more than a few of the French players play their trade in La Liga. So, um, you know, it, it would be interesting. It would be very, very interesting indeed. I think that um, although coaching a national team is is a whole, whole different thing com- compared to coaching at the club level. Very different animals altogether. Yeah, totally. But as we finish the part about Deshaun is I think Deshaun stays I think he'll be okay I'm sure the play he'll talk to the players 
They'll all get together. They'll all put the whole thing behind them. They'll uh, they'll resume World Cup qualification. I'm sure they'll they'll be okay. They'll top their group. They have that UEFA Nations League semifinal game against Belgium, I believe, in November. But but I think everything is going to be fine. I really believe. The, I mean, look, the whole thing with the uh, the curse of def- defending champions. I've done my research. It's happened only once to a certain team. Like it happened to Brazil back in '66. It didn't happen to them in 2006, so I, so I think France is going to be better. I mean, they're coming in as a way better team than they did in 2002, and I think from this point on, Benzema is going to is going to be constantly selected. I think Benzema is going to finish his career in the top terms for the French national team. But now, it, I don't know if you heard about this. There was a story about the mother of Adrien Rabiot apparently getting into an argument with Paul Pogba's uh, brother and then killing Mbappe's dad. Did you hear about this? Um, I know that Rabio has a particularly feisty mom, so uh, let's just say I'm not surprised. I mean, I mean, I, I, I don't want to. How do you say? Uh, I want to feed into it because you know, if, if it just stirs up drama with the national team, then it's it's drama, and we don't want to deal with it. But uh, but yeah, I mean if. If this is if, if this is one hundred percent true, I mean, I feel really bad for Rabiot. I mean, you know how how embarrassing does that be for him to, to deal with that with, with that kind of stuff? But but I, I'm sure you know Mbappe and Pogba will go like, look, yeah, don't worry about it. I mean, you know, but you know the the fact is, look, they have to take it all as a team. Like it was it was a team effort. It was a team elimination. They're gonna have to move on and play better as a team. I mean, that's all I can say. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So now we got to get to our predictions for the quarterfinals. We'll go. Ahead, we'll go and start out with Switzerland and Spain. Spain, after after watching this red and gold tornado um, against Croatia, it's 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 pretty hard to see if the Swiss can come up with the goods again for a second straight upset. But against the very very talented French. You know the the Swiss were willing to, you know, bring the fight to the game. So I think Spain wins, but um, you know I'm hoping Switzerland can at least make a good game of it. Absolutely, I'm gonna going Spain as well. The Czech Republic and Denmark. I'm going with the Danes. They just seem like the team of destiny right now. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I think they've got I think they've got one more round left in them. Totally, gotta gotta go with Denmark on that one. But I really believe this game is not going to be decided in ninety minutes. No, no, not at all. All right, Ukraine and England. Well, England. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just think England's just got too much talent, and um, you know the, the defensive schema that Gareth Southgate has seems to be working. They're keeping clean sheets, and um, I. I just don't see the Ukrainians getting past the the English in Rome. Yeah, I mean, in in Ukraine's case, the fact that, you know the, the quarterfinals making it this far, it's respectable. So I mean, so if they lose, they have, they have nothing to be ashamed about. All right, well, the main event: Belgium versus Italy. <sighs> Pretty tough to think that. The Belgians minus Hazard minus De Bruyne beating Italy. You know, sometimes when you're backed against the wall, though, and you get kind of that bunker mentality, and everybody's you know all on the same page, 
I mean, maybe it can be a unifying thing for the Belgians who also have to realize that, you know, sand is almost through the hourglass for them as far as, you know, their time with this great generation of Belgian players. Um, Italy did not look that great against uh, the Austrians, truth be told. I mean, as great as the Italians looked in their first three three games in group play, um a, a very, very pedestrian Austrian team gave the Italians some troubles. And Belgium, even a depleted Belgium, has more attacking options than the Austrians possess. But at the end of the day, I just I just think the Italians are just going to have a little bit too much for the Belgians. I think Italy wins this one. I th- I really have a feeling I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Belgium because I think Belgium with their mentality with their motivation and the fact that they're gonna be two players down and the fact that they know that this is their, this is the last chance for the golden generation to bring home some hardware like I said their backs are against the wall but they don't care they they know that Italy can be defeated so I think Belgium's gonna take this one but it's not gonna be de- that this game's also it can't be decided in 90 minutes. I really don't think it could be decided in 120 minutes. I think the penalty shootout is going to be the decider. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Yeah, So, but I'm going to pull off a surprise. I think I think Belgium's going to take this one because of they have nothing to lose. And, well, I mean, like, well, maybe that's argument because, you know, it's the last chance for the golden generation. But their mentality, their fearlessness, and the fact, like you said, Italy had some problems against Austria. I, th- I think Belgium's really going to put that to test. So I think... Belgium's going to find a way to get it done. Yeah. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Into the Net FC is available to you on all streaming platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. You can join us next week as we'll recap the quarterfinals. Steve, it was an honor to have you on, and I wish you and your family a happy 4th of July. You too, partner. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.